Here with the dude, Michael Vincent. I'm ready to truck a good Monday afternoon uh, national championship night, right? Busy weekend at a yeah. final four. One of them was uh, close to being a, a classic game. Final oh, game for Coach K. Carried yeah, the uh, yeah. coffin on his career out of there, but a nice send off, a nice return though. Huge event. And if you look at trucking, I was looking at like show motion. They were posting some pictures from their trucking company. They do they do events. One of oh, them yeah, yeah. was WrestleMania over the weekend. And I always watch that. I haven't like I don't really follow wrestling anymore, but I always watch it to see what they're doing with the live production. Everyone always goes all out at this thing. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin returned too after 19 mm-hmm. years, my friend. Wow, how do you look? Big stuff. He was taking bumps on the concrete. He was throwing stunners. He was no hit, kidding. He looked great. He looked fantastic. Wow. A little slow to oh, start, wow. but when he got his confidence up, he was really kicking ass. I enjoyed Very it cool. big time. Very cool. We got a lot to get through this week, though. We're Dude. looking at at some, oh, wait, the Grammys happened too, didn't they? What? Did the Grammys? I don't know. I, well, I, the only reason I, didn't I know see any about slap it. slap memes this The only reason I actually know about it was because uh, President Ukraine, he like addressed the audience out there. Otherwise, the I, I don't think I would have heard about it. Okay. I didn't know that. Either way, though, we got a ton to get through today as we're looking at some of the biggest challenges that freight is going to face in Q2. We're going to learn about that from Flexport CEO, Sane Manders. We have Vets 2 Trucking's Ivan Hernandez. And right after this message, we'll have Cambridge Capital's Ben Gordon up. But let's uh, tip the sponsors and then we'll get into all of the action. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall. If you're ready to seize it, start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact, tell them, dude. Hey, go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show. Hey, let's bring uh, one of the good ones up now. It's Benjamin Gord, managing partner and CEO over at Cambridge Capital and BGSA. Benjamin, you look great this morning. Where are you uh, coming to us from? I'm here in our office in sunny Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, well. Great to see you. Doing what good. <laughs> We're happy to have you Why on, not? Ben. You know, one of the reasons I reached out to you is I saw that you published an open letter to supply chain leaders and executives about humanitarian relief to Ukraine. That was about a month ago. Tell us a little bit about why you penned that letter and what's happened since. A- absolutely. Well, look, for starters, like you, like, like many of our listeners, as an American, as a human being, I was appalled to see uh, the war that Russia launched on Ukraine, and I felt bad about it, and I wanted to do something. And so many of us find ourselves in situations where we see something terrible, it's an outrage, and we just get pissed off. But the reality is, those of us in logistics, we have an opportunity to use our talent to be able to help. Uh, I had a vantage point because I was in Ukraine last year. We actually invested in a company called Everest, which had 150 employees in Kiev. Uh, and so I was there. I spent time with the people, amazing people, amazing country. And when Russia invaded on February 24th, my first order of business was I wanted to make sure that our people were safe, sound and OK. And so uh, move one was to help with evacuations, get people out, everybody that wanted to get out. By the way, a lot of the folks in Ukraine didn't want to leave. They're staying, they're fighting, they're defending their country, which is great. Uh, but we wanted to evacuate those that we could, women, children, and, uh, and you know, who, whoever wanted to. Uh, and then the second order of business was, was to help them. But I looked at this and I thought, you know, this is crazy. Uh, on the one hand, there's a supply chain role to help people evacuate. And there are terrific groups like Project Dynamo that are doing life-saving work accomplishing that. But on the other hand, getting food, medicine, and medical supplies in, right now it is a broken process. And uh, I could I could only illustrate this by pointing out that um, I've had uh, outreach from people that we know, senior people at you know firms like 
Delta, United, uh, uh, other, other major uh, freight forwarders asking for help as to how they could get goods in to Ukraine to help take care of people. And so I thought, well, if these guys are looking for help and they're professionals, surely there's an opportunity for us to do much more. And so we set up the Ukraine Logistics Coalition, which will be a nonprofit, uh, for one simple purpose, and that is to save more lives. And so we've been able to work with a network of NGOs on the ground in Ukraine uh, who have urgent needs for food, medicine, and medical supplies, suppliers here in the U.S. and worldwide who are willing to donate those food, me uh, medicine, and medical supplies, and then transportation companies who can provide the first mile really to get truck, uh, trucked goods to an airport, the middle mile, uh, typically a flight, say from New York, Miami, or elsewhere to Warsaw, Krakow, or, or elsewhere. And then the last mile, the trucking network in order to actually get goods from, from those airports to Ukrainian populations in need, whether in Ukraine, like Lviv, uh, Kiev, Odessa, or elsewhere, or the refugee populations in Eastern Poland uh, and, and throughout Eastern Europe. And so we are working with a number of terrific CEOs of companies in the transportation world who are volunteering their time and their company resources in order to help the people of Ukraine. It's excellent stuff, uh, uh, Ben, and, and love to see it. And I love the letter, too. I read it, and uh, it just excellent, excellent writing and, and some great quotes in there um, to get people motivated. How has that response been? How has the support been, the outreach there? What has the response been to that? The response has been great. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, moved by the fact that so many people care. And uh, I think now we've got to go from caring to acting. and. Yeah. That's our job as, as people in the supply chain world, right? So uh, I want to thank uh, partners who have stepped up. So, for example, James Gagne at SECO, who stepped up. SECO has been terrific in terms of contributing freight resources to help uh, be able to bring goods in. Uh, Jet McCandless and the team at Project 44, uh, they're working on providing technology for free in order to help automate this process and a whole host of other folks. So we are early in this. Uh, I will tell you one of the biggest challenges is <laughs> there's a huge number of people that care, lots of volunteers. How do you go from caring to action? Uh, I think really it comes down to having a few core partners that will, will step up and do more. So we're looking to add more CEOs that will put their name and resources behind the Ukraine Logistics Coalition to help. Uh, we're looking for, of course, companies, uh, whether it's NGOs to articulate what they need or suppliers to be able to provide goods or transportation companies that will be able to provide the transportation in order to get there. So we're looking to bring on more partners. We're looking to bring on more resources. We've already done uh, a lot in a short period of time, but it's not enough. We need to do more. We've raised $2 million in cash, $22 million in medical supplies, and working with these terrific partners, we, we certainly know that the needs on the ground are much, much greater. And so we would welcome help from other terrific companies in the transportation world to step up and to join us. Now, you mentioned Everest Transport in Ukraine, so this is a little bit personal. What are you hearing from Everest Transport? What is going on over there right now for them as a, as a company as this is going on? I have to say, these guys have done an amazing job. They have managed to, on the one hand, keep going. Uh, and let's keep in mind that for, for us, the number one thing is the people. We want to make sure that the, the people are safe, sound, healthy, that their families are okay. Because uh, the, the trauma that they're going through is unimaginable. And I mean, just imagine your home bombed, your family, your, your town, your, your entire country all of a sudden under attack, and your, your life turned upside down. For people that 
up until a month and change ago, we're living a, a normal life in a European country and uh, excited about being a, a part of, of the, the West and motivated about freedom, human rights, democracy, and just thinking about normal things like, like, like you and I would. So number one is just making sure that these guys are okay. And thankfully they are. Uh, the people that wanted to get out are out, or at least they've moved out of, of Kiev to elsewhere in the country. Uh, many are still in Ukraine, um, some in Kiev, some elsewhere. Some, some have moved, uh, whether to, to Poland or, or Turkey or, or a variety of other places. As far as how the company's doing, I mean, number one, the people are safe. Number two, uh, we're reconstituting uh, a core nucleus. We have a team being stood up in, in Krakow as, as people are moving over there. Just had a call with the team less than an hour ago. Um, operationally, Everest hasn't missed a beat. Continue to do a great job serving customers like Anheuser-Busch, Nestle, and other major companies. And uh, and that's, that's going great. Um, and continuing to, uh, uh, thankfully use what was learned during COVID, which is how do you work when you're not in the office? How do you work from home? How do you work in a distributed environment? I don't think anybody thought that would be a dress rehearsal for living through war, but the reality is that it has been. So the guys and gals in Everest are doing a great job. They're doing a great job serving their customers, taking care of business. And uh, and amidst all of this, I, I hesitate to say this because it, it it sounds like the wrong focus, but Everest is having a record year, revenue, profit, growth. Um, and I, I view that first and foremost as a testament to the amazing people in Chicago, Ukraine, and elsewhere uh, that, are, that are working so hard to, to take care of their customers. Well, Ben, how do people who, they heard this, they want to get involved, where do I send them to? Well, first of all, the Ukraine Logistics Coalition uh, website just went live. It's logisticscoalition.org or logisticscoalition.com. Um, great place to start. You'll see what we are looking to do, how we're looking to connect NGOs with suppliers and transportation companies. Um, so listeners that, that, that care about helping, you can go to the website. Uh, you can offer to help if you're part of a transportation company. Uh, you can contribute transportation resources. If you're part of a logistics tech company, you can be a part of helping to create this automated system in order to, uh, to, to meet these needs on the ground. Um, you can donate time, you can donate money, you can donate company resources. Uh, if you're a CEO or if you talk to the CEO of your company, ask them to join the advisory board, uh, put their name and the resources behind it. Uh, and then, of course, there's a lot more than just what we're doing. You can go give money to the terrific groups on the ground. We're working closely with the JDC. JDC.org uh, has had a presence in Ukraine and the surrounding area for over a century, providing food, medicine, and supplies. Uh, there, are, there are a host of other terrific NGOs as well. But as far as we're concerned, uh, the Ukraine Logistics Coalition, again, logisticscoalition.org, uh, is a great place to start. And we, and more importantly, the people of Ukraine would love to help. Little cowboy for you, Ben. Thank you very much for your service here and for helping us get that message out there. We really appreciate it. Right on. Thank you. Appreciate it, love, Ben. Take it easy. All right, let's get to a little uh, headlines. Let's get into this freight market. Oh. What's going on here? Oh, we got a nice map here from uh, Craig Fuller. Well, maybe not a nice map. It really depends on what side of the equation you're on. Let's take a look at this map right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Please. Thank you very much. That's there right. Craig Fuller puts it out. We, and he says, we always tell trucking companies to go blue to blue to That's keep right. their trucks moving. That's a phrase around here. If you're through freight waves or sonar, usually you've heard it a billion times. Go blue to blue. Blue markets represent regions where there is more demand than capacity. 
Right now, you can see the only place that's blue is the Rust Belt, right? The Midwest over there. <laughs> Michael Vincent, what is going on? <laughs> well, I mean, he's breaking it down. There's many different things you can do inside the maps and in Sonar, and one of those is is break it down by either market or state or region. And yeah. so for those enterprise fleets and for where you're moving your freight, those are what the reasons regions look like. The Midwest is the strongest right now as far as, uh, you know, uh, it's freight uh, haul. It's actually freight coming out of there. So he's got haul in there, which is the measure between inbound and outbound. Blue means there's more more outbound coming out of there. There's more loads available. Now, so and the I'll, other ones are shrinking as far as uh, outbound compared to inbound loads. So a lot of people are saying, wait, isn't there all this port congestion? And then, you know, you're looking at this map and it's entirely right along the coast. It's entirely right along the bottom of the country. That's entirely right on this sec- the, the left half of the country, too. Yeah. Why isn't there a ton of freight coming at the ports? Why isn't that all blue? Okay, so there there is. There's still a ton of freight that, that is moving. There's still a, a lot of freight coming through those ports. This is the trend that is moving right now. Yeah. Okay, so this is the volatility. Right now, the trend on those west courts is shrinking outbound compared to inbound doesn't mean there's more inbound than outbound right now it just means that that's where the uh where the uh where the trend is is going right now on on that particular one as well so, so, that, so if we break that down further though like if yeah, we want sure. to look into some lanes here well, let's look at something okay. else first let's look at this oh, okay. uh what do we got right here five oh, years on trucks. trucks. so this is a yeah. big trend line this is another one another call out <sighs> that we wanted to put out here this is something craig put out as well Look at the big difference in used price, used truck prices during the pandemic, yeah. and that's when Craig talks about a bloodbath. That's that's where he's really. That's part of what he's getting it from is the amount of investment that companies have put into fleets at these highly inflated notes, and then with the market dropping out at the same time, fuel going up at the same time. A lot of those being independent OOs. Yes, big challenge. A huge challenge, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well as part of that possible bloodbath that is coming, looking more and more real. I agree with where Craig is, is thinking here. Is you've got these people that had jumped at 20,000 came in and what was it, February, I guess it was, new uh, operating authorities buying trucks that are uh, double and triple what they should really be worth and what they will be worth. So, yeah, it's, it's not good. Financial looks bad. Yeah, I think we have a picture of the used truck prices, too. You just want to throw that up real quick so people can get a decent idea of that one. Yeah, that's a nice one. right? Nope, nope, back one, that one. Yes, that one. Thank you, yeah, sirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those will give people a good idea. It, now we it. can look at the next one. So everyone has been adding to their fleets over the year. We can look at this big. Now we can look at the next one, guys. The so green one. These go. are the growth in fleets over the past year, right? Wow. What is really interesting about this that we're seeing here, though, Michael Vincent? The, uh, I mean, the interesting thing that is going on here is that the category of it doesn't matter fleet size. Even the large ones are growing. Yeah, I think they're growing faster. They're faster, faster than, than the smaller ones, right? And that that makes it even worse because once things start to get weak. Right? Yes. It gets even worse for the OOs and the smaller guys because they're the first ones that get dumped into Greece. Right? The shippers start to take care of those bigger fleets because they're the ones that they're going to depend on later. And they've got the big, uh, expensive, uh, triple what they're worth tractors. All right. So are we going to help some people out here or are we just going to complain that there's no lanes? You sent we, me uh, a It's easy map. to just keep complaining, <laughs> but I sent you a map. So let's look at this first one here. It's got a map and a. And a so what we're looking at here is okay. So what we looked at with, with Craig there and what we're looking at were trends and what is going on there, right? And what I'm pointing out here and kind of trying to preach on LinkedIn, et cetera, on Twitter and the Twitterizer is that. Uh, there are opportunities out there. There are things that are changing. So this is today's market table on the left. Those are the the green in there. The, from the left, you're looking at the O-Tri or the rejection on freight. There's plenty that are showing rejections. The blues on that map are those that are showing changes day over day and quickly in uh, the rejection rate. So there are things that are out there. And those, those big 
areas, those big uh, uh, markets where the fleets are going to to get their freight, right? They got to keep freight moving on those trucks. And so you see Atlanta and you see LA and you see the Northeast where they got tons and tons of freight with really loose markets because that's where the fleets know they can go and get their stuff. Now, all those little rabbits around there, yeah. they're hurting for capacity. And if you're an OO, you can go get some stuff and still play that blue-to-blue game nope. and make some money. And this is the stuff here that's going to show you that. What are we looking at here in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, on this next Okay, uh, so this, this, is an, this is an example. Go to the next one here. So this is Oklahoma City to, uh, what do I got here, to Atlanta. So this is on our market dashboard, and you're looking at the rates today, a confidence score of a four as well, meaning we've got all. Lots and lots of information and density around this market price at $2.82. That green line you're seeing is the spot market. It is trending up and fairly recently because of the change in the market. You've got the bigger fleets moving to the bigger markets, the Dallas market, et cetera, and leaving you high and dry in Oklahoma City. You can get some freight at a good freight, at a good price. The next chart here as well, if we got time for it, is, sure. is another example of right next to this is Macon, Georgia to Los Angeles. So this is right next to Atlanta where you see that huge tower of freight and a loosening market and dropping rates, right next door to it, all the capacity is going to Atlanta. Mm. So out of Macon, you can get one of the best rates you've gotten all year out to L.A., not so, you, so much in Atlanta. You're going to have to be smart. You're going to have to do some fleet repositioning. Yeah, you're going to really have to rethink your lanes. And That's also, right. you're going to have to bundle up because winter seems to be coming. In fact, right sure. here is another story. Dow Transport Index is down nearly 5% on concerns of a freight downturn. That's right. Mark Solomon, he put out a report on this on Freightways where you can find the full article. But he says the Dow's Transport Index fell out of bed on Friday. It dropped that 5% we just mentioned. Virtually all the damage came from the freight side of the index. The six airlines making up the index came, though, came through relatively unscathed. Southwest is actually posting a gain this season. Yeah, absolutely. The decline came as the Department of Labor uh, reported Friday that the number of truck transportation jobs actually fell in March. It did for the first time in, what, two years? 22 months. Yeah. Right? First time. That's crazy. The index was created in July 1984, or 18, sorry, 1884 by Charles Dow, and initially consisted of mostly, you know, nine railroads and yeah. some non-railroad stuff, sure. just showing how much the dominance of railroad was back then, but that has changed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also viewed as a leading indicator of the broad market's direction, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, the last one here is, this is be mindful if you're dealing with the Dre community, you're dealing with ports. Ports are beginning to charge diesel-powered polluters to build their clean truck fund. Al Nather has the full article here, but the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach on Friday, they began charging diesel-powered drayage trucks, $10 per unit, entering and leaving the ports with those proceeds going to the clean truck fund. Go check out that article. But you know what? We got a guest right here in the green room. Let's jump to him. It's St. Manders, the COO over at Flexport. Ooh, Say thank yeah. you so much for joining us today on the show. Hey, good morning. Well, thank you very much for being in your awesome show. Oh, yeah. Where have you been hanging out? Where are you, where are you right now? You're over at the Flexport offices? Uh, I'm actually currently working from home in, uh, in Portland, Oregon. So up in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> well, beautiful. Nice. How are things going over at Flexport? It's been an incredibly challenging past two years, rapid growth company. Uh, you've been there for about seven years of this growth as well. So let's just talk a little bit about your experience over there. How have things been for you? Well, first of all, you know, Flexport is doing really well. We've been uh, seven years on a uh, tremendous growth uh, trajectory. And, you know, it also always starts with the customer, right? What does the customer really want? And the customer wants real-time insight into their supply chains. They want to make it easy to do global trade. And, you know, we started on that journey 
seven, eight years ago. And, uh, you know, selling that that story becomes easier every day because everyone knows these days that you need real-time visibility and information to make better decisions. So you started this seven years ago, right? And you're moving into this. And it, obviously everybody needs this and they want this. But that accelerated greatly about 24 months ago, right? What was that like uh, when you hit that 24? It, was that a great acceleration or did it just prove the case study? I would just say it's the law of big numbers, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've always grown really fast. And in the early days, we actually grew faster in terms of percentages. Uh, but at some point, you become an established player. And then, yeah. um, you know, the numbers just start to add up. So last year, we went from 2020, uh, $1.3 billion top line to, uh, to 2021, $3.3 billion top line. So that is a, that is a massive growth in, in volume and, and, and revenues, yeah. Now, speaking of volume, we've been looking and taking a, a big curiosity in freight volumes recently, especially here in domestic trucking, where we've seen a really big decline over the past few weeks. Now, we were seeing all year, we've been seeing the spot market sort of trickle down, but it was still like, hey, year over year comparisons, it was 90 cents, it was 70 cents, and it was 50 cents. And now those comparisons aren't so great anymore, especially when you factor in inflation and diesel. Let's start with domestic. Are you seeing a softening in the domestic trucking market over at Flexport right now? Yeah, and and to be very you know to be very fair, we are very you know much much more focused on the international market. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking at the domestic market, and of course I got a, quite a bit of exposure to it, uh, I do agree with uh, what your CEO Craig Fuller sees, right? Maybe in a little bit less dramatic terms, but we see similar things happening there, uh, where um, where the market is softening definitely. What about on the international side? Are you seeing it starting to uh, soften quite a bit? And where do you see that trend going? Yeah, and, and let's start, you know, how did we get here, right? Yeah. Um, we got here because we were all buying a lot of goods, right? Um, yeah. Um, when we all were basically sent home and work, started working from home, we needed exercise bikes, tennis rackets, bird feeders, um, all these kind of things uh, we were starting to buy. And that led to, you know, a disproportionate amount of, let's say, durable imports uh, in, into the country. So, you know, is that holding up is the, is, is the big question. And when you're currently looking at the consumer, the consumer is pretty healthy, right? Um, there's a lot of demand and we keep on importing a lot of stuff. We're keeping on buying a lot of stuff. But some cracks are starting to emerge, right? Um, and those cracks are, you know, driven by a couple of things. Number one, you know, stimulus is running out. Um, so, you know, we don't have that much savings anymore. We are afraid of inflation, right? Uh, we can buy less for our dollar. Um, and, 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 and last but not least, the Ukraine conflict has put a lot of pressure on, uh, on commodity and fuel prices on top of that. So the consumer is starting to uh, get a little bit anxious about that. Um, and on top of that, we are now all of a sudden can go to restaurants again and, and on holidays. So we might actually start moving you know, our spend from, from holidays or from, from durables to, to holidays, which all has impact on, on, on the import flows uh, in, into the country. Now, so that's number one, right? Well, I was just going to say, it's one of those perfect storms too, right? In freight, you can see there. Let's just dissect this point a little bit, because when you talk about inflation, let's say I spent $10,000 on crap last year, right? Mm -hmm. On personal goods and, and crap like that. This year, I can get 8% less of it. That's 8% less freight that's moving across, that's a lot uh, across people. And the other part of that perfect storm that was happening was last year, all this pull forward of freight to get in warehouses, to make sure you had inventory, to make sure it wasn't caught off the port no. of LA. Those are all converging while buying powers go in the opposite direction. Yeah, and, and I think that the inventories is the other big uh, big piece of the story, right? Um, if you're looking at inventory over sales, which is kind of like the indicator which shows how much inventory do we have to 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 fulfill our current sales, 
um, those numbers are still relatively low, right? They're pre, uh, they're they're lower than than pre-pandemic. Um, but if you then start to peel the onion, what is really going on here is that you see that the automotive sector has very, very low inventories. And we all know, right, if you drive uh, by a dealer lot, you know, the dealer lots are still pretty empty. But if you're then going deeper into, let's say, you know, what are the other sectors that are driving this? So building materials, right, uh, consumer electronics, uh, all kind of other durables, you actually see that their inventories are on pre-pandemic levels again. Well, combining that, with the knowledge that we all have that it's impossible to rent a warehouse right now and that all our customers are actually telling us that they have a lot of inventory, it means there is a lot of inventory in the country, right? So if sales keep up like we are having it today, those inventories are sufficient uh, to supply you know, our needs. If sales start to decline, because what we discussed before, because the consumer might get a little bit anxious, then actually we have a lot of inventory. So, and this is what people talk about when they're talking about the bullwhip effect, is like, you know, do we have too much inventory for the future sale? And therefore, do you get not a recession in the economy, because the economy is very strong and, you know, the labor market is very strong, but do you get a a little bit of a recession or like a slowdown of, of, of trade volumes? And that's what the bullwhip is, what everyone's talking about. Yeah, so let's talk about that bullet for a second here, uh, saying and because when we talk about Shanghai and that shutdown that's going on now, right now, is that a big deal, and how will that really impact things? And has those type of those type of things caused the ripple effect to kind of slow down a little bit? If there weren't those, would we see that inventory kind of move through here, and we see a little bit more of a slowdown, or is it kind of propping it up a little? Yeah, so so let's also look at at the, the the how the market works like that. It's a little bit of a fragile equilibrium, right? Even yeah. if you can talk talk about an equilibrium, because all indicators are still red hot. There's a lot of congestion everywhere. But you know, let's say that this is a little bit of a, a fragile equilibrium. Any disruption on top of that will lead to some disruption again. And um, you know, you saw it a couple of weeks ago with Shenzhen. Shenzhen closed down. Well, the Chinese government, you know, with their their goal of exporting as much goods as possible, uh, um, you know, will try to resolve that, and they did. Right within a week, things were back up and running. Um, so you could expect that they are having the same, you know, uh, view on the Shanghai area. So I don't expect those things to last too long. But this is all leading to little disruptions. You know, it leads to some blank sailings. Um, it leads, uh, uh, as a result, uh, to 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 uh, to some you know delays, and therefore then some batching of of, of other vessels uh, up in LA a couple of weeks later. So you know, this is all like little disruptions. And our system right now is not able to to deal with those disruptions. It's kind of like, you know, I compared it before to a snowstorm on a Monday morning rush uh, rush hour. You know, anything that happens will have some impact. Rates are still extremely inflated on the water. And, you know, we want to make a clear distinction. We're talking about softening in the truckload market. That's not necessarily the case in the global ocean market. What are you seeing in the global ocean market? I'm seeing, I'm still seeing rates between like thirteen and $16,000. So obviously that's still pretty, pretty strong, congested and short on capacity. So the global ocean market currently is also softening, right? Yeah. Um, it is not as it was before Chinese New Year's. So you have seen rates coming, uh, coming down. Um, you know, coming down is not what we mean historically down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is still at very elevated levels, eight, nine thousand dollars. But what you see is that the the floating market, so the spot market and the fixed contract market, are roughly around the same uh, same number right now, around that nine thousand dollars. But you have to be very careful. Uh, this very much depends on on the corridor that you're that you're trading at. Some corridors are opening up. 
Other ones are still very congested, whether that has to do with port infrastructure, whether it has to do with, uh, with, with, with vessel capacity or some origin uh, uh, reason like, like, a, like, like a, a slowdown or like a, um, you know, the, the Shanghai situation. Uh, so you have to look very uh, lane by lane, but overall the market is softening uh, and it's settling right now that the FAK and the neck prices are around the same level. Is the behavior there the same as in truckload, where suddenly where spot goes below contract? What contract? I didn't. I didn't start a yeah, contract. I didn't about a contract. Uh, this is a mini bidder. This is another late. The same thing happened in Ocean when spot goes under contract. Everyone's suddenly like, or are they more worried about capacity now, and they're more willing to preserve those contract relationships? Yeah, so I would say in the, in the ocean market, it is more about the long term relationships, and 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 um, and customers are sticking to their to to their longer term uh, agreements. Uh, that said, right, um, um, you know, the, the past is not a predictor of the future, so we'll have to learn what it will look like this year. It's not a normal year, uh, nor were the last two years were normal years. So, um, you know, we'll see whether customers vote with their feet. Uh, but 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 traditionally in this market. Uh, customers have been much more loyal. But one thing that you have to keep in mind uh, on the ocean market, though it is softening right now, um, the supply base is also pretty flexible, right? If you're looking at how the supply looked like, there were a lot of these extra loaders. Um, so those are extra vessels, and they're called extra loaders because they're extra. Um, when the prices mm. go down, and you know, they're, you know, they still have to go down quite a bit, but let's say 20% under uh, today's level, those extra loaders, which are typically smaller vessels with higher operating costs, etc., they will pull out of the market. And then all of a sudden, you have another supply-demand uh, situation uh, where you know, the prices will stabilize at that level or grow up a little bit. Well, then the next stage that you have there is that a lot of the ocean uh, uh, liners have repositioned um, vessels from other trades to fulfill our demands here in North America. You know, the North American consumer drove the boom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have taken ships from secondary trades and brought them onto the t- Trans-Pacific. Well, if those prices start coming down, then those secondary trades become attractive again, and those vessels will go back to whatever, Latin America or an Africa trade, etc. cetera. Uh, so there's quite a bit of flex on the capacity side. So I would be very careful to think like, you know, if demand starts showing cracks, uh, simply because consumer demand or because inventories are high, that it immediately means that the prices are coming down because there's also quite a bit of flex in the supply side. So saying on the same uh, uh, concept of, of this of this changing and flexing back and forth with the trade lanes, et cetera, the move from West Coast uh, port of entry to East Coast port of entry and all the infrastructure uh, investment that is going on there, is that something that'll wane as, as things keep loosening? Or is that a long-term yeah, solution? That will, but you know, keep in mind that the East Coast has two reasons to to you know the East Coast traditionally was gaining some share over the West Coast for a longer period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are two things that have accelerated in the in 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 the short t- term. Number one, because the West Coast was very congested. Well, we're actually seeing right now that the East Coast is also very congested as a result of that. You know, a lot of these extra loaders that I already mentioned, uh, all of a sudden were sailing, uh, you know, through the Panama Canal to the East Coast. Uh, so, so that's number one. Number two, there is also uh, a lot of importers that are thinking in contingencies on how to manage, you know, a labor dispute if that happens uh, later this year on the West Coast. And how do I make sure that I have capacity on the East Coast to bring my goods into the country? So some of it is strategic. 
Some of it is opportunistic to get around traffic, but you should assume that uh, um, uh, there is quite a bit of uh, congestion on the East Coast because of strategic reasons as well. You know, we ourselves, we invested quite a bit on the East Coast. You know, we added transloading capacity. We added drainage capacity for the reason that we are not fully sure what will happen on the West Coast, you know, when the when the contract uh, expires on, on, on July 1st. Mm. What happens if I'm a shipper and I have containers on a boat like the Everford that's stuck right off of Chesapeake Bay? It's been there for three weeks now, and suddenly they nailed me with general average as well. And I'm a dummy, and I don't have insurance. Yeah, that sucks if you don't have insurance, right? <laughs> so that's, that's one of the things that every customer, right? Take insurance because this is the thing that you don't have under control, right? Uh, you're, not, you're not the one piloting this vessel, um, and um, and it's going to be extremely expensive if you have to pay, pay for general average. It really is. So let's talk about the the uh, the port operations that are going on right now. You talk about the I- ILWU, the the possible labor strike that is going to happen maybe in July. But let's talk about the overall operations. Have they been improving? Are they getting improving? Or has it just been a slowdown of freight or, or the cargo coming into the U.S. that makes the numbers look better? Yeah, if you're looking at our numbers and the data that we, we we collect, you know, the West Coast has been improving, right? The dwell times have come down significantly. Uh, cargo is flowing. This is also the on-the-ground, uh, you know, experience. I was calling uh, last Friday, I was calling my, my friend uh, Ian Weiland from JC Transport. He had him here on the show uh, a while ago. And, you know, he's one of our longest-term partners. He also mentioned, you know, cargo is really flowing if it is the, if it is L, the bigger LA area. You know, if it is real, it's still very congested. And why is that? Because, you know, things were moved from um, from from transloading when that got congested, congested to real. By the way, that was a response to when the real was congested. Everyone went to transloading. So, you know, you know, the bottleneck moves through the system um, and, you know. The East Coast is a wildly different story. That's what's happening on the East Coast right now. You know, um, the port of New, uh, New York, New Jersey, n- normally has zero vessels waiting. There are nine waiting or 11 waiting right now. Um, you know, dwell times are going up. And this is the same in Charleston, Savannah, Jacksonville. Um, so you're seeing quite a bit of, let's say, moving of the bottleneck. And the East Coast is definitely deteriorating uh, rapidly. Keep in mind, right, um, um, we all vote, uh, you know, we all, are, you know, there's a lot of companies actively uh, active in this space uh, and we all have our great ideas to avoid the bottlenecks. And as a result, we create new bottlenecks, right? There's no central steering of cargo. Um, so this will move around a little bit. Um, you know, we are definitely not out of the woods yet. Yeah, yeah. It's like a car, you know, there's a billion different drivers are all moving the seat back and forth. It's not going to fit everybody. But more <laughs> more broadly speaking, what do you think the biggest challenge in freight will be Q2? What do you think the big storyline is going to be that we're all going to be contending with? Um, I think there will be a lot of anxiety around the, the West Coast uh, port situation in terms of the ILW uh, negotiations. Uh, it's still very early to define where, you know, where that will's going, uh, will go. There are two stories on this, right? One, it will go over pretty uh, easy um, because, uh, you know, incentives are pretty aligned on that everyone wants to keep cargo flowing. Uh, the other one is like, you know, it's about big money and, um, and, 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 and everyone has a pretty entrenched, uh, you know, um, uh, positions here. So this can be, you know, can take a long time to get to a, to, to, to a contract. Well, if we're getting to, uh, you know, July 1st and the contract starts to expire, then you could anticipate slowdowns. Well, if we're getting into a slowdown, that's not a that's not what our system can, can absorb right now. You know, we're still, you know, when we're looking at, 
you know, um, indicators like the Flexport uh, uh, Ocean Timeliness Indicator, they're still at an all-time high, right? Where it used to be pre-pandemic, uh, 45 days to get uh, your goods from cargo ready date over the ocean to, you know, uh, the, the port of departure and then leaving the port of departure. That was 45 days. That's still around 110-ish days. Um, so it's still very long. We still have to dig ourselves out of that hole. And, and that will take a long time, even if the, the start of the traffic jam has been, uh, you know, is, 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 is moving now. And that's, you know, what's happening in L.A., right? Uh, the drage trucks are, are, are operating um, and they're operating, they can return empties, et cetera. It will take a long time to clear out all the backlog. Yeah, it just keeps moving back and back and back. The hairball moves, as Lorianne LaRocca likes to say. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your, U- your Ukraine uh, relief efforts there. We were talking to some other people earlier in the show. Let's talk about that. Last number uh, that we saw was a $25 million, I believe, raised so yeah, far. Yeah, and their partners. Uh, uh, with you and your partners, yeah. So can you talk to that a little about and tell us what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so so flexport.org is our humanitarian uh, aid relief um, uh, um, division, and we started that in 2016. So it's been it's been uh, a long uh, a long while, and you know it, the the recipe is simple. You know wherever there is a disaster, we use our core capabilities to help that disaster, um, and. Um, and, and we've, di- we've done that with, for instance, the Haitian um, uh, earthquake. We've done that with the PPE rush. Um, we're actually doing it right now um, with, uh, with the Ukraine. And um, what we typically do is we provide the, the transportation services without any of our you know, um, uh, profit. It's fully pro bono. And what we're also doing is we're raising money. We're raising money from uh, you know, wealthy individuals, not so wealthy individuals, famous individuals like Aston Kutcher and, 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 and Mila Kunis, and not so famous individuals, uh, you and me. You know, I, I, I donated personally there as well. Um, and that all together is 25 million right now for Ukraine. Um, so that 25 million will be um, used to help our uh, preferred uh, humanitarian aid uh, partners, which is, for instance, Airlink, UNICEF, Project Cure. Um, and we're subsidizing their freight expense uh, to bring relief goods. Currently, that's mostly uh, medical goods, right? It's, it's hotel, uh, not hotel beds, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's uh, um, uh, hospital beds, um, you know, all kinds of surgery materials. Um, stuff that comes in from all over the world, we're flying it in. Um, but there's also a lot of, let's say, um, locally sourced materials in 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 Europe that we're trucking um, to to Poland, Moldova, uh, Moldova, sorry, um, uh, the Ukraine. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically what it is. Um, well, good stuff. We'll give you a little cowbell for for doing the Lord's work over there. How do people get a part of that project? They want to help donate. They want to raise that twenty-five million dollar number to twenty-six. Where do I send them? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways to do it. Yeah, yeah, you can donate. Go to flexport.com and you'll see a banner immediately where you can donate. Um, you know, every dollar counts. Uh, this is going to be for the long run, right? Four million people are already displaced. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is going to take a very, very long time. Uh, the other thing is, you know, asset-based partners can help, right? Um, if I look at it, Air Canada has donated with, you know, goods in kind, which means they fly. You know, Atlas Airlines, right? Those are long-term partners of Flexport. You know, our truckers in Europe have donated, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trucking uh, capacity. And you know, to be very fair here, the truckers are the heroes in this in in in, in this crisis because they bring the goods to the front line, right? We can't fly into the UK uh, Ukraine, so they bring it to the front line. They cross border there where it's not necessarily always safe uh, they bring it to the refugee camps in Poland and Moldova um, so yeah big thanks here for the truckers that uh, that do 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 the hard work 
Oh, we'll give a little cowbell for them, too. Amen. Shout out to all the truckers. Amen. They're putting themselves in harm ways and keeping freight moving across countries, across borders. It does not matter. Before I let you go, I have just a curious question. Is that a bookshelf or a ladder behind you to a secret room? That's my stairway to heaven, yes. <laughs> so, dude, is that your roof up there that you go to? Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it, is actually, it is actually a ladder to the bookshelf, but uh, there is still <laughs> there is a roof up here. But uh, and that is a that is a, that is a roof garden, but this doesn't go there. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your, your time today and, and sharing us some of the challenges that uh, that we're all going to face. Important information. We appreciate your time today and for what you're doing in Ukraine as well. All right. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, Shane. Good stuff. Good stuff. Doing a lot of work over there at uh, at Flexport. It makes sense. They're international, so they're not as sort of keyed in as maybe we are in some of this domestic stuff, or, or as as panicky right now. Yeah, they're they're aware and have to deal with it, but their 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 focus is obviously yeah. the international side of it, which a lot of a lot of really good insight as what's going on there from saying. With the growth of Loves and Speedco Nationwide Network, Tire Pass has evolved in delivery method, allows meeting the needs of your drivers wherever they may need it. Whether in line at Loves Travel Stops, inside a truck care or Speedco service center, or at an on-site terminal, making Tire Pass part of your driver's pre-trip inspection can inform them of any tire-related concerns. To learn more about Tire Pass, tell them, dude. Hey, go to www.loves.com. Transfix is modernizing the way freight moves nationwide. The Transfix Intelligent Freight Platform combines a digital freight marketplace, intuitive software, and dedicated experts to drive performance for your modern supply chain. Get a free quote at, tell them again. Hey, I'll tell you, go to transfix.io. No www on that one. No www. Well, you don't need to type <laughs> www anymore. I know. I know. You, don't, you don't have to put that. And if you're doing like that in your art and stuff, don't put the www. Cut it off. boomer. Yeah, you don't need right. that there. No, People, no. Know. Okay. People know. People gotcha. know. It's 2022. Ivan Hernandez, owner at Vets to Trucking, is here with us now. Ivan, thanks so much for taking a little time out of your day to talk to us two knuckleheads. Always, always, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> How you doing? Where are you well. hanging out right now? Are you out on a run? You at home? No, guys. It's a hey, March Madness. Come on now. <laughs> you know, big UNC right here, uh, right out of the heart of Chapel Hill. Tonight's the day, the game, the big game, you know? Yeah. So, um, got to stop, yeah, I mean, right? stop the tires, right? Got to stop the tires for UNC. A, yeah. I want to know the truth. Hey, Did you have them the winning time. it in your bracket? You know, and, <laughs> oh, yeah. UNC, come on now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what did you say? You just derailed but, uh, so this. Far, so good, so what I do mean, you got? <laughs> I had, he answered me. I asked <laughs> okay, him if he, so I right said, now, tell the truth. Did you have UNC yeah, in I your did. bracket? He said, yes. <laughs> Hey, the tires are not turning right now. They're just turning yellow due to the pollination, and Ooh. you guys are feeling it down there too. I'm mm. assuming. Yeah. Are, yeah. You know, yeah. is it a good time to stop the tires? Are you feeling the market drop? Are you seeing these these rates come down for you and uh, and your drivers? Guys, it is getting tight out there. All right. All right. Now I pulled up the numbers. Uh, like I said, you guys give a lot of great free information. You know, uh, a lot of us. You know, drivers that are out here, we, we do take that in consideration. We thank you guys a lot for that. Uh, I ran my numbers yesterday, uh, 5%, a five cent difference, not in my favor, of course, for operating costs per mile. So it is affecting a lot of us. Um, you know, a lot of people don't, that I've noticed out here, what I'm seeing on the ground is a lot of these drivers are not forecasting, um, you know, their numbers and you know, all their information, the data, data that they get, they're not forecasting having a glide path for next year. You know, that's the problem. Even though we're going through this right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're still, we're still seeing a lot of things, um, 
you know, even like five cents per mile difference. I mean, that's a huge difference, you know, and we're going into, we're in what, in the second quarter now? Hmm. First quarter was good. You know, it was all right. It wasn't that great, but it was good. It's there. I think uh, right now with all the data you guys are giving us, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. And it's kind of waking us up a little bit that we need to forecast more. Yeah, you need to know what the data is. You need to know it on a daily basis. You got to be looking for those things blue to blue, as we like to we like to talk about well, it. And, Vincent, he just mentioned how yeah. quick this sort of happens. Yeah, have to be looking at it. One of one a really interesting thing, if you look in sonar, is rejects where they were a year ago versus oh, sure. rejects where they are now. It's cut in half. It was twenty six percent a year ago. It's thirteen percent now. Not as many fruit on those trees. No, there's not as much fruit on those trees. You got to you got to know where to look for it. There, I mean, it's out there. It's not as much. But Ivan, you know, we had so many new people, so many new OOs that came out right over this time. Is that part of the concern right now for veterans like yourself that are out there running and looking at your books and trying to go out there like, ah, it's going to get scary, and some of these guys are going to be dropping these rates faster than they really should, and not and not really making an intelligent decision. Yeah, great question, Vincent. Hey, so a quick answer to that one, all right? So there's a stagflation going on, of course, with new companies coming in. I've seen a couple of guys that last year, you know, they opened up their, they, they got their own authority and everything. And they're just, some of them, believe it or not, they're they're at that stage where they're, they're not making any money. They can't, you know, they never forecasted. They came in during the pandemic. Rates were high. We all know that good money was being, you know, was being earned. The problem is, once again, you know, being able to forecast all these numbers. Um, with that being said, I have seen a couple of authorities that have gone stagnant or, you know, they, they defaulted, especially in trailers right now. You know, this is the big thing. Trucks, I mean, they went up in prices. You're to, I mean, these guys need to do their research and not go for that large, expensive old truck that's like over 700 you know, miles in it, you know, I mean, guys, that's a no brainer right there. You know, um, well, Ivan, Ivan, you DM me, Ivan and I DM a lot. And he's been like, over the past year, you've been sending me some of the trailers and trucks you've been looking at. And some of those rates were just astronomical. Unfortunately, you used a lot of discipline when you would send me those things as well. You're like, yeah, we kind of need this trailer, but if you're just looking at these, I don't know. Right. It's crazy. I'm telling you, I, I almost bought a trailer that was seriously, it was going, uh, during the middle of it of last year, I almost bought one, but the price, I mean, they, they were quoting me like 90,000 for like a two, three year old trailer, you know, that's no, you know, you I mean, it doesn't come with the truck, of, right? That's just the trailer. No truck. You're, that's just the trailer. Yeah, no truck. What? That's just the trailer. And that's a dry van. I mean, <laughs> come what? on, you know? So yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's been crazy, you know? And, uh, some of the things that I've, I've, you know, back to what I was talking about, these new authorities, some of these guys are, you know, either getting out of that, getting out of this industry altogether, or some of them are actually going, selling their trucks for, you know, whatever much they can get right now, you know, people are buying these trucks for an expensive amount without doing the research, you know, and these guys that are getting that money to go ahead and go over to the hotshot side, you know, is it a better? No. I mean, I mean, it's it's not it's not any better. I mean, we're all in the same boat as far as you know the 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 freight rates go. You know, um, once again, the trailer market. You know, manufacturing, and this is I got I got to do more digging into this. I got to make a couple of phone calls. But there's a couple of uh, you know the trailer market right now. A lot of these manufacturing companies, they're only offering uh, 
to big carriers, you know, they're not doing single owner operators. That's, this is a, probably the fourth time I get a message uh, from some of these uh, owner operators that are out there. It's like, man, I can't, I can't even get a trailer from so-and-so company because they're only offering it to big carriers, you know, more than 10, more than 15, uh, you know, yeah. and this is where a lot of these guys are falling for those big prices on trailers. 78, you know, K to 95 K for driving. Come on, you know, so I got to do more <laughs> digging on that and I'll get back to you guys on that one. But yeah, yeah. You know, market's pretty tight. You know what I tell uh, these guys coming over from the veteran sites, you know, from, from uh, transitioning to the, to, from the military order, the industry, you know, I, me personally, I do not represent one carrier. I represent the industry itself, you know, the veterans initiative, you know, transitioning trucking. That's one. That's how I ended up getting my truck. I ended up winning my truck, believe it or not. It was it's sponsored by Fastport, wow. the uh, Chamber of Commerce, hiring our heroes in Kenworth. They give away a free truck w every year in December. Nice. You know, so my my suggestion and, you know, I think that these veterans, it's better for them right now since we're in this market. They need to go to the become company drivers. While they're doing their company driving, you know, the, these companies need to put in the paperwork for these guys. You know, I mean, they transition to this industry. Let's go, you know, put the paperwork in for these guys and be, you know, for a fast port to winning this truck, be competitive. You know, if you see something in this veteran, hey, man, go ahead and build that packet for him, send it in. Maybe he'll win the truck, you know. Well, it's great but, uh, points. I mean, I do, I do get a lot of veterans calling me now. Sorry, go ahead. No, as we're just agreeing with those. Yeah, those are great, great points for those guys getting with those carriers right now instead of going out as an OO and risking it in a in a tumultuous. Situation yeah, when the like line's this. going up, you see people jump into that OO market. Yeah. They want to get things, but sometimes these these people are not accounting for the fact that, like, let's say you made seventy five thousand dollars a year with the company, right? Yeah. Now you've got to think of all those other expenses. So you need to make that $75,000 to pay yourself, and then you have to make maybe another $75,000 to pay for all of your trucks and all of your equipment oh, in yeah. this highly inflated market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was great advice, so. Ivan. We wanted to get you into some broker stories, but we're running out of time, so I will bring you on again for that okay. uh, in, in a couple weeks. But in the meantime, any vets out there, they want to get in trucking, they want to support vets to trucking, they want to talk to you, where do we send them to? Hey, go ahead and email me, IvanH at Vets2Trucking.com, the number two, okay? Uh, Vets2Trucking.com, IvanH at Vets2Trucking.com. Ivan, thank you, thank you so much for your firsthand perspective that you shared with us here today in the market. There's a, a lot of truckers out there, a lot of carriers out there. Start listening. It's, it may get tough. It may get tough. It could be a tough road ahead in Q2. Thanks, Ivan. We appreciate it. Take care. All right, let's get to a little uh, big deal, little deal before we send you home. All right. Big deal. All right, what do we got here? Oh, this is a sign. Let's take a look at this sign here. It says, uh, if you don't have a pen in hand, don't bother signing in. You must have your own pen. This is a bussiness. Come prepared. <laughs> this is a bussiness, uh, my Chapel friend. shared this on Ray Per Mile Ma Masters, right? And I put it out there. So me personally, I think that this is like one of the stupidest things you could possibly do as a leader. You're telling me, you are telling me that you're going to disrupt the flow of freight. Over an eight-cent pen, you can buy a box of 1,000 pens for $80 on Amazon. You can buy it even cheaper through Staples. 
You can get that. You put your name on the pens. Have some pens when people come in. I that realize guy. that you think drivers should have pens, and they probably should have pens. But you're really going to let that stand in the way of freight moving. You're really going to give your reception such a hard time that you have to put such an antagonistic sign on your door. Would you put that on the front door of your company? Hell no, you wouldn't. So don't put it on your back door. Tear that thing down, Michael Vinci. Tear down this sign. But you Tear see, you're, you're assuming these people have brains. These are people that didn't even aff- they couldn't even afford a spell check, as Keith O'Brien pointed out. It's their busness. It's their bus. It's not your busness, Michael it's not, Vincent. It's not my busness. Uh, well, there were a lot of different opinions, though. I put this out on LinkedIn, a lot of different opinions. Jennifer Schaefer said, here's an idea. Buy some pens with your business name and logo on them. Encourage drivers to take them, hand them out, have them around their trucks. It's some of the cheapest marketing you can get. It is eight cents a pen. Eight cents a pen, man. Eight dollars. Is that with my name? Is that You're with my name printed on it? But not everyone agrees. Gregory Johnson of Los Alamos <laughs> National Laboratory says so. The world these days no longer believes that they should take personal responsibility for anything. Ha ha ha. Sad state we now live within. Driver, they made their business decision, their choice. You don't like it? Then take it down the road, or go to your truck and get a damn pen. Pathetic. All right, so he oh, is a wow. pro sign. He likes signs like that. He, yeah. Uh, Rachel Eve says, how about we digitize our check-ins? I know more people have a phone in their pocket than those carrying a pen. Yeah, why don't you do that? All your sign is telling me is that over a pen, you will disrupt the flow of freight. And your security is so lax, so lax, that you allow someone to just sign in with a pen instead of digitally getting in there like we should in 2022. <laughs> <with you>, <laughs> How about Daniel Matthews? You gonna read that one? I would do Which it, but you got the angst going right, on. Well, here, I got man. great. Well, Greg McClain says, "Holy <laughs> shit! Give the give me the business's name. I will send them a box of pens. In fact, we should all send them a box of pens with a message. Take down your damn sign, clown. Greg is a driver. The one before him was pro sign. Obviously not a driver. Charles Gracie says, "Nothing new here, brother. Myself and I drove. We've seen things like this more and more. Once I went to the place, they have no bathroom, no waiting areas, all these different." signs that you can't do anything as a trucker. Sean Jones says, yeah, a driver should carry a pen. Sure, but there's no reason not to buy a box of pens just because drivers should have pens. It slows everything down and pisses off people that keep your company alive. Plus, you have to wonder about the company that puts up a sign that misspells business. <laughs> Once we got our student title, my last little required assignment with my phone electronically. Where's the world for that? Let's, we need to be doing this. Steven Shoemaker, what did he have to say? Maybe they actually did have pens for the drivers, but unfortunately, like many of us, we accidentally take the pen with us. Maybe they did have a pen cup for the drivers, but the drivers would pocket them, and bam, no more pens. So a sign was put up. Nothing wrong with that. Remember, no one's entitled. Better content, not petty content. This is a stupid post. So he doesn't agree. He thinks that drivers, it's okay to put any messaging you want out there for drivers. He thinks the whole thing's he ridiculous. He doesn't think we should ever criticize a business over something so stupid, a hill of pens to die on. No, 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 no. I will. Send me more of that stuff. Call out businesses. Please do. Truck drivers should not be treated this way. Send me whatever you got. Ingrid Brown, a truck driver. She says, welcome to our world. Something that happens all too often. Daniel Matthews says, as an owner-operator, I see stuff like this. I make it a point to never do business with again. Hell, catch me on the right day, and I'll turn around and walk out altogether. We provide a service for these ungrateful, low-paying shippers, and they treat a lot of us drivers like we are employed by them. We're employed by them. That's not the case. They need to recognize and understand this. Buy your own damn pens, you cheap-ass company. That's what he had to say. There you go. I encourage all drivers to carry a crayon with them. A crayon, yeah. Yeah. A crayon. How about a really thick Sharpie? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It just just took up too much One of those 357 Magnum things, All I'm saying, too, yeah, a driver should carry a pen. A driver, well, sure they should. But what if they don't? Of course, but if they don't have one, man, you don't have a pen. And clearly a lot of people aren't enough to put up a sign like that. That's right. That's right. 
It's symbolic, too. That's the problem. It's symbolic. There's so much that goes on that's wrong with the uh, the Trevenant drivers. That's a real issue there, Michael Vincent. I Let's look at those car shame. accidents next time. We ran out of time ranting about this sign, but we'll get to you. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell them how to be, Michael Vincent. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>